Amen. Thank you, Brooke. Good morning, Homestead. How's it going? Good? Okay, you guys, I thought you were more awake, but you didn't say good. How's it going? Good. So here, every week downstairs, what I do with your kids is I say good morning, and then they respond good morning. But if they're not loud enough, I make them do it again until I tell them, I want your parents to hear you upstairs. So now you guys, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make you do it. If we haven't met, my name is Brent Stevens. My wife Anna and I are the kids pastors here at Homestead. And we just think it's such an honor. There's a lot of parents in here. I'm seeing all the parents to partner with you, to partner with you in teaching your kids about the love that Jesus Christ has for them. The, the awesome fact that we have that God created your kids for a purpose and that he's planning to use them now as kids as well as throughout their whole entire life to teach people and to show people who Jesus is. This summer at Homestead, we've been in the summer of Psalms. We've looked at a number of different Psalms and we've gotten to hear from many different pastors on staff here at Homestead. I love that. I love that our church, that our leadership at our church, the Kurs, they want to invest into their leaders at the church, that we get a chance to do things that are outside of our normal roles. Because this isn't normal for me. Usually, I'm downstairs running around like a crazy person. I don't know if any of you have ever seen me in a costume before. I'm a mad scientist in one. I'm also a pro wrestler. Um, I'm a pro wrestler in another one, so I'm normally downstairs running around like a crazy person, setting games up, jumping during worship, but not today. Today, I get to be with all of you, and I'm so excited to share a message that God put on my heart years ago. But before we dive into the psalm we're going to be looking at, will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for every person in this room and everybody watching online. God, I just thank you that you have a plan for our lives. God, I pray for the hearts of everybody listening to my voice right now, God, that you would open their hearts and begin to prepare their hearts to receive what you have for them this morning. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you love us and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. So first of all, you should probably meet my family because they're awesome. So there's a picture of the Stevens fam up there. Next to me is my amazing and awesome wife, Anna. And Anna is the co-captain of the Stevens family. She's the co-captain of Big Top Kids downstairs. She is my partner in crime or not crime, however you want to look at it. Anna and I just celebrated our 12th wedding anniversary. Yep, it's great. And the best part is she still likes me, so I must be doing something right. After 12 years, she still smiles and stuff at me, which is great. Anna is holding the newest addition to our family, Miss Natalie Joe. Natalie turned one in June, and it didn't take us long to figure out that she is the most dramatic person in our house. It probably doesn't help that she has her daddy wrapped around her little finger, but that doesn't matter. She's just very dramatic, but she's so cute. Look at her. How can you say no? If you see her out in church, you can wave, say hi, be nice to her, 
And she might smile at you, but don't you dare try to take her from her mom. She is a mama's girl, and she won't be happy about it. Next to Natalie is our middle child, Eli. And Eli, like I said, he's our middle child. And he plays the role of middle child very well. He is strong-willed. He's opinionated. He's definitely the jokester in our family, and he marches to the beat of his own drum. To give you a good idea of who Eli is, he has a shirt that says, guess what, chicken butt? What else do you need to know about him? Although Eli can be a lot sometimes, he is the most thoughtful and loving little boy. Um, Right now he is four and a half, and make sure if you talk to him, he's four and a half because he's not four anymore. You know how kids get with their half years. Last but not least is the oldest in our kids. That's Luke. Luke is seven, and he is going into second grade. Luke is cautious. He's controlled. He's a rule follower. And a lot of people say that he looks just like me. What do you guys think? Yeah? Well, if you're agreeing, you're also agreeing with the nurse that helped deliver him when she was holding him and looking at me and holding him and looking at me and said, I've never seen a baby that looks so much like their dad. And I'm like, can you get him cleaned up? Like, he was just delivered. Like, (laughs) I want to hold him. Can you? Luke is a great big brother, and he puts up with me telling him often, Luke, I am your father. That's my family. They're great. I love them so much. My kids are awesome. My wife is awesome. And I'm awesome. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Although I love kids' ministry, I'm really excited to be upstairs preaching to adults today. A lot of you in this room have kids downstairs right now, and they're having Christmas in July today, so they're having a good time. But you have kids downstairs right now that Anna and I have the privilege of pastoring every week, and I think it's so cool that I get to be with all of you today. I think it's so important that as parents, you get to know the hearts of the pastors who are pouring into your kids every single week. All summer, we've been hearing from many different pastors at our church. Each of them have picked a psalm that's important to them or a psalm that God's placed on their heart to preach on. We've learned that the book of Psalms is a collection. It's a collection of poems. It's a collection of songs. And that it was written by many different authors, including King David, Solomon, Moses, and many others. And there's even Psalms, like the one we're going to learn about today, that we don't know who the author is. These poems and these songs were passed down from generation to generation. Pastor Christie explained the book of Psalms as a collection of the human experience. We read about the psalmist's joys and their sorrows. And just like us in our emotions, a psalm can start in the highest of highs and end in the lowest of lows. Or it can start in the lowest of lows and end in the highest of highs. Today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 111. So if you have your Bible with you, you can open up to there with me now or it'll be up on the screen behind me. Psalm 111 says, Praise the Lord. 
I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. So Psalm 111 is one of the psalms, like I said, that we're not totally sure who wrote. Psalm 111 is written as an acrostic poem. And if you have a study Bible, which I would suggest because there's so much good information that a study Bible can give you while you're reading the word. Um, It says in mine, this psalm is an acrostic poem. So it's true. It's an acrostic poem. Being an acrostic poem, it means that each line begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So for example, a poem in English, it'll be up on the screen here, that was acrostic, might sound like, apples are yummy because they are food. Caterpillars live in them. Doctors told me it's true. You're supposed to laugh. I know you can't tell, but I wrote that. I keep telling Anna I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. Each sentence in this example begins with a letter in our our alphabet, and the next line begins with the next letter in the alphabet. The reason we see this in the Psalms, the reason that we see it in this Psalm, the reason things are written acrostically is because acrostic poems are easy to remember. It's safe to assume that the Psalms that were written in the acrostic poem style were memorized and quoted by the Hebrew people, that these psalms were important to their faith and the memory that they had of who God was and who God is. Today we're going to be focusing on verse 1 through 9 in Psalm 111, and to start, we're going to break down a few of those verses. Psalm 111 starts in verse 1 with, Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. So if you don't know me super well, I really understand, I really enjoy understanding why things are being said or why things are being communicated. And part of that, I think, is because I'm a husband. And all the husbands out there know what I'm talking about, because your wife's like hitting you right now, um, that when you ask your wife, hey, how's it going? How are you? And she says, I'm fine. That there's hidden meaning there, right? That like... She's not really fine. So that's how I look at a lot of things. And so when I'm looking at scripture, sometimes it takes a few steps because I want to understand why things were being communicated the way that they were. So when we look at verse 1, I know two things right away when I'm reading this verse. Number one, I know how to praise the Lord. And number two, I know that extol means to praise the Lord enthusiastically. I appreciate how the author intentionally separates these two. 
first with praise the Lord, but then he wants to make sure that enthusiastic praise with all of their heart is written because those two things have different degrees of passion to you and I. While preparing for this message, I came across a quote from Charles Spurgeon that says, God cannot be acceptably praised with a divided heart. Neither should we attempt so to dishonor him, for our whole heart is little enough for his glory, and there can be no reason why it should not all be lifted up in his praise. God is worthy of our enthusiastic praise from all of our hearts. Amen? If we continue in the psalm, we look at verse 2 and 3, which say, Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. So if we look in verse 2 first, the word works used here, great are the works of the Lord. In Hebrew, means the things God has made, or it would be thinking of God as our creator. So the author is specifically referring to the great works of the God who created all things. The God who specifically and intentionally made you and made me. The God who made sure that he gave you the gifts, the characteristics, the things that you need in your life to fulfill the call that he has on your life. Great are the works of the Lord. Or we could now look at that as great are the things that the Lord has created. In verse 3 we read, Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. A word similar to works is used in verse 3, deeds. If we look at the Hebrew word for deeds, the author is referring to God's acts in history compared to the works of creation. This would have been the same word used to describe the exodus from Egypt. It would have been the same word used to describe God providing food in the wilderness. It would have been the same word used to describe all of these moments in history that God showed himself faithful. These would have been events and moments that the Hebrew people would have known. They would have looked back on. These are moments that would have been told from generation to generation. They would have been stories telling about these great redemptive moments in the history of their people. These great moments that God was faithful. I think it's so cool to think like our understanding of those two verses right now is different now than it was two minutes ago. For example, in verse 3, glorious and majestic are his deeds. Definitely, that's a true statement. And it provides a good mental image for us, but how much depth and understanding do we gain when we know and think of this as glorious and majestic are the moments where our God was faithful? Moments like when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. All of these great moments where his faithfulness was on full display. Understanding what was meant when these words were used, allows us to simultaneously refer to and remember the same moments, those same moments that God showed himself faithful. As we continue in our psalm, let's look at verses 4 through 9. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever, 
holy and awesome is his name. In verses 4 through 9 of this psalm, the author is continuing to describe the great things, these wonders that the Lord has done. The author is also beginning to list important characteristics of our God. These last five verses are filled with the ways that the author is describing God. We read that our God is a God of provision, that he provides for his people, that our God's a God of action. He's alive and he's moving that our God is a God of victory, that our God is trustworthy. These last four characteristics I have, um, I looked up in the dictionary just because I think it's important sometimes to like a word like faithful. We all can think of what faithful means, but it's nice to look through a different lens sometimes of like, okay, well, what does it really actually mean? Because I know what faithful means, but I want to see exactly what it means. So we read that God is faithful, or that he remains loyal and steadfast. He remains true to the original. I love that definition of faithful. He's constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's never changing. Our God is constant. He's holy. He's morally and spiritually excellent. And he's awesome. He's extremely impressive or daunting. This psalm, in addition to all the psalms we've talked about so far this summer, have a few similarities that I think it's important for us as a church to recognize. Have you noticed how almost all of the psalms that we've talked about this summer have talked about the exodus from Egypt? Have you noticed how almost all the psalms that we've talked about have brought up these great moments in our history where God was faithful? That it seems like all of the psalms we've looked at are looking in the past to help in the present or in the future. The psalmists understood the importance of looking back at the moments that God showed himself faithful. That when we're in a difficult situation, when we don't know what's next, when we don't know why we're in this season of pain, why we're in this season of being scared, when we're in these moments that are scary and unknown, when there's challenges in front of us, that there is a power and a peace that can come when we remember God's faithfulness. That we can remember that God is with us, that he's faithful, and that he's good. The psalmist also praised God often, usually within the first line or two of the psalms. Why? The same reason, because God is faithful. They are looking back and remembering his faithfulness, and he is worthy of praise. In those moments, they're looking back and saying, God, I remember when you did this, and I praise you for that. I'm so thankful that you did that, because our God is worthy of our praise. A few months ago in Big Top Kids, we got to read one of my favorite Bible stories. It's the story of Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. And so when I taught that, and I got to teach it, sometimes I'm like the helper, sometimes I'm the teacher, so, because me and Anna do it together. So I got to teach that lesson, I was so excited, and so I kind of started it with like, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> okay, anyways, so this story is about Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal, the false god. And Elijah tells them, here's what's going to happen. You're going to prepare a sacrifice over here, and I'm going to prepare a sacrifice over here. 
And we're going to take turns and see which God shows up to bring fire to that sacrifice. So the false prophets of Baal go first, and they are doing anything they can to get their God's attention. So they're like jumping around, screaming, shouting. They're even cutting themselves. They're doing anything they can to have their God listen. And Elijah is sitting there like mocking them. He's like, dude, your God might be like relieving himself. Like that's what it says in the Bible. Your God might be relieving himself. Or like maybe he's asleep. Or maybe you should try shouting louder. Nothing was happening. But then it was Elijah's turn. So he got some stones and he built this altar. He had the sacrifice on top of the wood on the altar. And he dug this trench around the altar. And he tells the people, hey, go fill up these jugs with water and I want you to pour the water on top of the sacrifice. And so they do this and the water just pours down the sacrifice and fills the trench. And he has them do it three times. So everything is completely drenched with water. Which, any dads out there tried to start a campfire with wet wood before? Doesn't work very good, right? If you have your Bibles, you can open up here with me, but it'll be up on the screen again. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36, to continue what happens with Elijah. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Let's go. I love, I love that story because we get to see God's power on full display. I love that Elijah references that this is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Israel. He's saying out loud and remembering the things God did in the moments where he was faithful in the past. He's doing exactly what we've been talking about all summer, what we're talking about today, which is remembering the faithfulness of God. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past allows us to know that he is trustworthy in the present and in the future. Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is constant. So when we read about these characteristics of God, that he's gracious, he's compassionate, he's a provider, he's victorious, he's holy, he's awesome, those characteristics are never changing. God will always be all of those things. Knowing and recognizing that allows us to trust him. So if we can first look back and remember God's faithfulness and know that we can trust him now and forever, we can have full confidence in our obedience to him. So when I went to Hosanna growing up, I got confirmed there and we had this song that we learned, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Anybody know it? Anyone? Yeah. Thanks, Philip. So it goes like this. We did actions with it. So it was, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all 
acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Thanks. You guys can get tickets for my show at the door on your way out. But what did that do? So just like we've learned about with the Psalms and like the acrostic poem style, for example, songs are a great way for us to memorize things. Because guess what? This put Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 in my heart forever. Trust me. I've tried to forget the actions and I can't. (laughs) Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. When we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and don't rely on the things that we know or the things that we understand, we can submit to God, to the God who created everything, to the God who's all-knowing, the God who can do all things. God is faithful, God is trustworthy, and because of these things, we can be obedient to him and the plan that he has for our lives. I wanted to share some of mine and Anna's testimony with you today, and some of you have heard parts of it before, but... It's just filled with time and time and time and time again where God is faithful, where God is good. So Anna and I met at youth group when she was 12 and I was 13. We served on the youth team worship team together. We were student leaders in the worship team together. And this is old school, but we taught Sunday school together. So we, were, we called it co-SSTs back in the day, co-Sunday school teachers because we were pretty cool. We dated, we got married, we had some kids. We had always had a relationship with Jesus. And we were pretty good people. We prayed, we went to church, and we even read our Bibles every now and then. But three years ago, we were at a child dedication service at our old church for the crazy kid, Eli. Anna and I, in that, in that service, we were feeling this pull to God, both of us individually, so he went home, and over the next few days, we knew God was saying he wanted, him, wanted us to give him everything. Everything. So our relationships, our finances, our jobs, our careers, um, our dreams, our goals, God wanted access to everything. So we left that dedication service, as I'm sure you can assume, with a lot of questions and unknown future steps. We talked, we prayed, and we decided we're going to do this. We're going to go all in with God. So this led to lots of conversations and about what we were supposed to do. We started spending consistent time with God. We started praying for each other. We started praying with each other. And hey, if there's any married couples out there today, I'm telling you right now, and listen to me, you need to pray with your spouse. There is a power in praying together. It's great to pray for your spouse. You should do that too. But when you come together and you get to the feet of Jesus together, it's different. And there's power in that. I'm off my soapbox. So we began going through our life and giving every aspect of our lives to God. We started spending consistent time with God. We started praying with our kids. We began tithing, which is something I fought Anna on for years. Side note, this isn't a sermon on tithing, but if you're not familiar, tithing is giving a tenth of your income to the local church. Tithing was the last thing that I was holding on to. Anna was all ready to go. She was already there. But that was the one thing that I was holding on to with everything that I had. But how many of you know that God can do way better with all of the things in our lives than we can. 
that God is bigger than your finances, that God is bigger than your marriage problems. God is bigger than the problems you have with your kids. God's bigger than the problems you have at work. God is bigger than all of the things. And to be honest, he can do all of it way better than we can. Financially, we were struggling, which is why the thought of tithing when we already were struggling to pay some bills, made zero sense to me. But God was faithful. There were moments, for real, I'm a budget freak, if you didn't know that, which many of you probably didn't, but I'm a budget freak. Um, I can look back at my budget now and look at times where it was literally in the red, like we did not have it, and God continued to show up. God continued to show us his faithfulness. Those moments were the ones that reminded us and taught us that because God has shown himself faithful, God is also trustworthy. A few months later, we were at a worship night at our old church, and I was in the back pacing, praying, seeking God, wondering, God, what are we doing? What's next? Like, we're giving you everything, and we're trying to keep being obedient, but what is next, God? What are we supposed to do? And in that moment... I heard God for, not the first time, but it was like the most clearly that I've ever heard God to this day. And God said, the plans I have for you and your family are bigger than you could ever imagine. So I, I rushed to Anna, and I'm like, Anna, guess what just happened? Guess what God said? And the next few months, we began to feel called into children's ministry together. We got to do it together. This meant Anna leaving her job that she loved, and it meant me staying in my job that I didn't love. <laughs> this transition meant going from two full-time incomes down to one, which is drastic, right? Cutting your finances in half. There were a lot of intimidating and uncomfortable and unknown steps along the way, but church, God continued to be faithful. Fast forward six months and Anna's finishing her credentialing through the Assemblies of God. I'm working on my master's degree in ministerial leadership, and we are 100% in. We found Homestead, which was an accident, we thought. Anna was preparing to send her resume out to a bunch of churches, and we didn't even know that there was a Homestead Community Church. But we sent an email to meet with the Kerrs, Jeff and Christy, and... They thought they might have a job in kids' ministry. But after we met with them, we found out that they didn't, but we continued to feel this draw to Homestead. So I remember, and some of you in this room were here with me probably. Well, definitely. I remember our first service at Homestead was at an outdoor service. Anybody go to the outdoor services? Oh, yeah. Because they were still finishing this building. This building wasn't ready yet. So when we actually got to come to our first service at the new building, I remember being in prayer. It was during worship, and I was sitting right over here. The chairs were set up way different when we first opened, but I was sitting right over here. I'll remember this moment forever. I was sitting over there, and I was standing and sitting and standing, going back and forth, and I was just praising God during worship, thanking him for his faithfulness, thanking him for the moments that he's been faithful but I was praying, and I was like, God, what's next? We're called into kids' ministry together. We don't even go, like, belong to a church yet. Where are we supposed to be? What church are we supposed to be at? Where is the next step? 
And God said in that moment, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. What I didn't know was at that same time, Anna was up here and we were, it was during worship, so we were both worshiping and I'm doing my thing and she's doing her thing. And I didn't know that in that moment she had been praying that, God, if we're supposed to be here, please reveal that to Brent. Isn't God awesome? Like, we ask questions to God and he responds. He hears us. He hears our prayers. He's alive. He's active. He's here. He's here right now with us. The presence of God is awesome. So we were officially at Homestead. We began serving in kids' ministry on the prayer team. We were on the worship team sometimes. We were enjoying serving and were waiting for the next step in the call of God. Anna needed to complete an internship for her credentialing that she did here at Homestead, which led us to teaching in Big Top Littles, our preschool room downstairs, which led us to teaching in Big Top Kids, which led us to being a part of the kids' ministry team, which had us ultimately in a position to be the kids' pastors when the need arose. These were all moments that we've piled up, all these moments in our testimony that we've just piled up in our hearts Moments of God's faithfulness. Moments where God showed up like he always does. Moments that are personal to me. Moments that I share with my kids. Parents in the room, share your testimony with your kids. They need to see God's faithfulness in a real way through you. It's so important that your kids see God's faithfulness through your life. These are moments that I love sharing with people close to me. I love getting to tell and brag about my God, that God is faithful, that he's true, that he's real. They're so important, and they're moments that we always look back on and remember God's faithfulness. When we have a step in front of us that we don't know, when I have to preach upstairs on Sunday morning, remembering how faithful God was allows me to trust him now. Church, our God is faithful, our God is trustworthy, and he, and we can be obedient to him. We end our Big Top Kids service downstairs in one of two ways, so we kind of alternate weeks to make sure that we get to do both of these, but one of them is we break into small groups. And so we do that by age, and the kids get to go and answer some questions about our lesson, and we get to have like some very specific prayer needs that the kids have. We can pray with them. Um, and get to pray for cats that died and stuff. That's like a normal prayer that we pray all the time for animals. <laughs> but hey, it's cool, right? Like, that's how kids are. And it's so awesome, like, to think. I know Steve, in his sermon, he talked about having childlike faith. But, like, when you ask a kid, what can I pray for you for? And they're like, well, you know, my toy broke yesterday and I just really need a new toy. It's, like, so real, right? But God cares, God wants to know. God wants to know you and be in relationship with you. And how important that they're learning that God cares about every aspect of their life. How important is that? It's awesome. So, getting excited. So, we have small groups half the time, and so we get to ask questions and pray with the kids. And then the other half of the time, we have like a short time of reflection where we get to play some worship music and the kids get to pray. We have some kids that are on the prayer team, and we just spend some time in the presence of God. And so today I thought it would be fitting, I am a kids pastor, to do the same. So Steve, will you separate this room into small groups? I'm kidding. 
We're not gonna do small groups. You were nervous back there. Love it. <laughs> no, today we are going to end with some reflection. Reflection on what we've been learning through the book of Psalms. Reflection on what we've learned today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, but I think there are several different groups of people represented in the room today. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe this is your first time at church. Maybe you've been going to church for a while but are still dipping your toes in. I want to make sure that you know that God loves you. And he desires to be in a relationship with you. I know that you're here today for a reason, that you're sitting in the spot that you're sitting for a reason. That's no mistake that the God we are talking about today, he's alive and moving in this place and he loves you. Maybe you're in a boat similar to where I was a few years ago. You're a good person, you go to church, you do the things that you're supposed to do and all that stuff but you've never given God access to everything in your life. I want to encourage you and remind you that we serve a faithful God, a God that's good. Giving God access to everything allows him to move in everything, that God desires to be involved and active in all those areas of your life. Maybe you're currently going through a really difficult season. Maybe there's been a health issue. Maybe you're struggling with your mental health. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Or maybe life has just been really, really hard. I want you to know that God is with you. He's walking beside you in that season, whatever season that is. Maybe you're trying to apply what we've learned through the series to your life, but you can't think of a time that you've seen God's faithfulness. I want to remind you that we have a big book right here that's full of stories that show God's faithfulness. But I'm also going to be praying that you would encounter God in a situation that reflects his love, that reflects his faithfulness, and that you would begin to pile up these moments in your life and in your heart that God is faithful. Lastly, maybe... You've seen God's faithfulness in the past, but you are in a season of waiting. I've been there. There's clearly a step in front of you, but it's really hard to see it, and you might not know what that is. I want to remind you that God has a plan for your life, that God has every step planned out. He's good, he's faithful, and he wants you to be obedient to him. So during our last couple minutes together, we're going to have some time to reflect and seek God, to slow down, to pray, to wait in God's presence. If this is new for you, that's okay. Prayer is simply talking to God. Whatever group you find yourself in, I want to encourage you to use this time to have an encounter with the living God who's in this place. Whether you're in a season of celebrating, of grieving, of waiting, of battling, of new commitments, of learning, or anything else, God is here, he's listening, and he desires to be with you. So let's take a few minutes to reflect and talk with God, and I'll come back up and close us in a couple minutes.
God, I just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that your, the scripture is just filled, God, with these characteristics and these, these key parts of who you are, this awesome God who hears us, who's with us, who wants to be in relationship with us. God, I don't know every need in the room today. I don't know what everyone is going through, but you do. God, I pray that we can apply what we've learned so far in this series, God, that, that you're faithful. And because you're faithful, God, that we can trust you. And because we can trust you, we can be obedient to you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that right now, if anybody's in this room, God, that doesn't know who you are, God, I just pray that you would invade their heart right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that your presence would fill them up and that they would have no doubt in their mind of who you are. God, I pray for any other need in the room. I pray, God, that you would meet those needs. I pray that you would be the God that you are, which is who is faithful and who hears our prayers. God, I pray that we can have a great rest of our weeks, that um, you can keep all of our youth students safe on their way to camp and while they're there. I pray for Stephen Brooke. God, I pray that you would continue to work through them. God, I pray for moments that are life-changing for these kids at camp. We love you and thank you for today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So we're so happy that you were with us today. Thanks for coming. Make sure you get your bracelet on your way out the door and make sure you're praying for the kids. I think we did the math and what? If everyone gets one, six people will be praying for each kid at camp. How awesome is that? Six people praying for every student. Have a great rest of your week. See ya.